0: The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Shure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure foundationorg Grace and peace are yours from our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text for this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 9, and that is on page 10 of your bulletins. And if you're on Zoom with us, uh, open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 to 9. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. This is the word of the Lord. If you're to go into any zoo in this city or really in the world, The first thing you're going to see before you go and look through the gorilla enclosure or go and look at the lion's den or go and look at the bears is a big, gigantic, maybe it's red, maybe it's a black sign, but it says, don't tap the glass. Maybe you've heard the saying that for every sign there is a story. And for this one, the zookeepers know exactly what's going to happen if you start tapping on the glass around the monkey cage or around the gorilla encounter. The animal's going to get ticked off, and he could do something that could hurt someone else or hurt, hurt another animal. Zookeepers know the danger of what it is to provoke animals, especially wild animals. Do we think that same way about the devil? Have you ever thought of that? There was a study that came out by the Barner Group. They do studies on rel- like religious statistics. And what they found is that four out of ten Christians strongly agreed that Satan, the devil, is not a living being, but is a symbol of evil. Now, a couple years ago, another group, it's called the, Ga- the Gallup Group, they did a poll among, people to say, or among Americans, and they found that 81% of Americans believe in God. So more people believe in God, but they don't believe in the devil as a real living thing, but just he's a symbol of evil, not actually existing. Peter takes a different tact because he knows that the temptations that the devil creates in our lives work. They lead people astray. And what Peter encourages his people to do is to resist the devil, to fight back when the devil's on the prowl. And he encourages us to be firm in our faith, to defend against this lion, this roaring lion. Now, it's amazing, isn't it, that Peter has to tell us that the devil is out there and that there is something out there that is actually trying to manipulate us and deceive us and take us away from the faith that we have. If you're to travel up north up to the Catskill Mountains or up, up into the Adirondacks, you'll see signs out there that say, hey, watch out for the bears that could be on the trail. Watch out for the mountain lions. There, Don't go out after dark because there's things that could get you if you're now on the trail too long. We don't have signs that leave church that say, hey, watch out for the demons that are out there. Resist the evil that's on the outside. I guess we could put it up, but we don't have that there. But Peter thinks that we have to know this. Because look at how he describes it. Describes it as your enemy, your adversary, your accuser. Peter knows that this is personal. When Martin Luther was struggling with the temptations that the devil would come at him with, he would say this. He would say that the prince of darkness himself has taken up combat against me. Luther took it personally. And you should too. Because this is a one-on-war, spiritual war, that is taking place all over the five boroughs. And he's waiting outside these doors to try and make you think that what I'm saying isn't actually the truth. It's a one-on-one spiritual warfare that's taking place all over New York City with the hope that you will lose the confidence of the salvation that is yours in Christ Jesus. And Peter says that the devil isn't quiet about this either. How does he describe him? Look at how he's described. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's roaring, he's prowling, he's on the search. Do you know why lions roar out in the Sahara Desert or out in, out, out in the safari? Usually there's three pretty good reasons. One is that they want to scare away intruders if they come, come close to them. Another, another way is that they want to warn other members of the pride that they're around or that there's something that they could potentially get. And the third one is probably the one that we've seen the most is they just want to display dominance over the rest of the animals. They want to let you know that they're there and that they mean business but what's most interesting about when a lion roars is that a lion often roars when the conditions are just best for you to actually hear their roar so that'll be right in the morning right when the animals wake up so that they can hear all right there's someone out there to get me or at dusk right when you think that you can finally go to sleep and right and get some rest the lion is still out there and he wants you to know that but if you've ever seen a lion attack, you know that they don't just burst onto the seam, roar, and then smash apart their prey. Most of the time, it's manipulated. Our text says that they're prowling lions. The devil is a prowling lion. And prowling implies sneakiness, right? It implies that it's thoughtful. They've scouted it out. They've looked for the weakest one in the, in the pride, in the animal kingdom, to take out on their own. In the opening verses of the book of Job, God sees Satan and God asks Satan where he's been. And Satan replies, roaming throughout the whole earth, going back and forth on it. When a lion picks out its prey or the person it wants to take apart, it's thoughtful. It's thought through. He looks for when the fence is the lowest so he can jump right over it. And if you've ever seen a lion attack, you know that it isn't gentle. It's not just slowly cutting it apart with a knife and a fork or anything. No, they look to devour it. But even devour it might not be the best word for it either. The word in Greek means to suck it down. Suck the life out of its victim. They want to take every little piece of this being out of it. And I think sometimes that we are numbed to this temptation and this evil around us. There was an author, his name's a- Andrew Del Banco, and he said this about our numbed, numbness to temptation and evil here in America. He said this, that the loss of the devil has contributed to the failure of modern Americans to recognize and deal with evil. You remember those four out of ten Christians who strongly agreed that they don't see the Satan as a living being but just as a symbol of evil? That has influenced a lot of our culture, and now we aren't able to recognize tragedy suffering or evil as we can instead're we're, we're just numb to it we can't wrestle with tra- tragedy or suffering or evil in our lives because we can 't recognize it we don't even know what evil is to begin with c s Lewis when he wrote the screw tape letters anyone ever read this book the screw tape letters it's a, it's really it 's a it's from the perspective of devils and how they can influence people in the world. And Screwtape Influence counsels one of his advisees. His name is Wormwood. And you know, how he says is the best way to be able to get their patients is to distract and confuse their patients with conflicts that are at home or in the world or at their job or in the government and just to hopefully distract them and confuse them and to create anxiety and exploit them at their lowest points. So it's not just one firm kick that pushes someone over the edge. Steady blows. Just small little chips in the armor of God that we have. And this allows the devil to go into his primary strategy of trying to push society into deception and into sin. And he does it so subtly. But what he does is he minimizes sin in the world. And he makes you feel like it's okay and then when you feel like it's okay, but then you actually come to the realization this sin is not, then that's when he cranks up the levels of guilt. He minimizes your sin, but when you know you're in it, then that's when he maximizes guilt. And he doesn't need a whole lot to be able to jump on you. He doesn't need a whole lot of temptations. He just needs you to be at when your defenses and when your fences are at the lowest, and he can jump right over it and maximize and push this guilt all the way on you. Do you know when the conditions are best for you to be tempted by the devil? Is it at dusk or dawn, like with those animals in the animal kingdom? Right when you wake up, right before you have to go to work and, oh my goodness, I have to deal with this person and this person, I can't wait to get out of this. Or it's right before bed, I've had a hard day of work, I just need something to take the edge off a bit. Is it when you're alone? When you just can circle and circle and circle with your thoughts by yourself? Or is it it with your friends because you know, well, they'll be able to loosen me up a little bit, I can think a little bit, I can act a little bit freer. Is it Friday night? Is it Saturday night? Is it Sunday night? Is it Monday night? What are the conditions that are best for you to be tempted by the devil? I don't know if any of you know this. I don't know why you would know this. But do any of you know how to survive a lion attack? Any at all? I learned this this week. I had no idea either. But there are five things you can do to survive a lion attack. And I want to remember these. We're going to come back to them later. The first one is you don't want to panic or you don't want to flee. The next thing you do is you just step back slowly. And if that lion starts charging at you, you're not supposed to go into like a fetal position and put your defenses up. You're supposed to remain standing. And then if the lion still comes after you, you're supposed to yell to try and drive it back. And if all else fails, fight back. Those are the five things you do to survive a lion attack. But those kind of sound similar to how we would want to fight the devil, right? Because uh, that's what we're in. We're in a battle. We're under attack in a one-on-one spiritual battle with the devil. We're in the one-on-one spiritual battle with the roaring lion in our face, that is looking to taunt and tempt us with all of his accusations. That's the life that we have as Christians. That's the life of faith that we have. The constant roars, the constantly hearing the roars and those sounds of lions and the prowl coming around us. But we know as Christians that our victory is guaranteed by that chief shepherd and that all of the roars and all of the shouts that the lion gives all they can do is be sounds to confuse us. All the devil can do to you is accuse. can accuse that you're sinful. can accuse that you're guilty. But he cannot actually condemn you. All he can do is taunt. And we can't flee the taunts that the devil will give us. We have to fight back. And fight we will. But we don't have to fight just by ourselves. We have to fight together as a group. We don't have to panic or flee because we are gathered together with our church family. We're a group of believers. We're a group of brothers and sisters in Christ that know the temptations that the devil is going to throw at us. We're a group of believers in the church that know what kind of temptations the devil can throw at us. And we know the different defenses that we can give against the devil when he comes for us. These are your brothers and sisters who are fighting your enemy. You're not isolated. You're not alone in this fight. You're not just a lone ranger trying to take on the devil by yourself. You have a group of people. You have a church. You have a community, a family of believers that are suffering along with you. And that means, just like in an animal kingdom, when they're looking for lions to come after them, that means we need to stay vigilant for the people in our pride too. Vigilant about the people that we see here at church. Vigilant for the people that we see that could be drifting off and could be tempted to be attacked by that roaring lion looking for someone to devour on the prowl. Staying connected to this church, staying connected to the word of God is one way that we can resist and stand firm in our faith as we travel through this safari on the earth. And another way to fight back is you need to fight back with your baptism. Fight back with the Lord's Supper. We may wish that God would just smash Satan forever, and then we wouldn't have to ever have this temptation again. He smashed Satan's head, with, smashed Satan's head when he went to the cross for us to die for all of our sins but God gives us in his word the powerful defense against Satan's seduction attempts. In your baptism, you've been marked as a child of God. In your baptism, you have been marked as some, you've been, you've been given something that cannot ever be taken away from you. Do you remember when Harry Potter had to fight off the Dementors and the prisoner of Azkaban? Do you remember how he did that? When he, when he put up his wand and then the bright lights came out after that? Do you know how he instigated that? He had to remember a memory that gave him pure joy, a memory that was only his, and a memory that couldn't be taken away from him. That's what you have in your baptism, that you are marked by Christ as his, marked as someone that cannot be snatched away, marked as someone who can hear the accusations, but no, you are not condemned. You are saved because of what Christ did for you. And you receive the forgiveness of sins every time you come up for the Lord's Supper. Whenever a Christian communes, he's given the forgiveness of sins to know that he is fortified, to know that they are strengthened against the assaults of Satan. You can know in your baptism and in the Lord's Supper that Christ is victorious and that he is the victor over sin, death, and the devil and any taunts and accusations that he gives you. Do you remember those five steps that I gave you on how to survive a lion attack? The first one was what? Don't panic. Your salvation is secured in your baptism and in the redeeming work of Christ. Step back slowly, because all a roaring lion can do is accuse, but he cannot actually condemn you. If the roaring lion starts to charge, you just need to remain standing, firm in your faith, secured and strengthened by a God who has not lost this battle but has won it for you. The devil cannot defeat you. Yell to drive the lion away. Cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Every single one of your prayers he hears Every single one of your prayers where you feel like you're stumbling through the words, the Holy Spirit is there groaning along with you, interceding for you. Cast all of your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. The devil can't stand to hear that. And if all else fails, and the lion charges and the lion attacks, fight back. Fight back in knowing that your victory is secured for you. Fight back in your baptism. Fight back in the Lord's Supper. Fight back with the church you hold dear to you. Fight back in the word and sacrament that you receive every Sunday that you come here. Fight back in knowing that your God is stronger than sin, death, and the devil, and die at a death that can take all of this away from you. Resist, sure foundation. Don't run. Fight back. Amen.